Hello there, whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are. It's Addison, your friendly favourite furball who hangs around the internet, back again with an episode of The Pod of Many Things. And today we're making the part of the family affair. We're showing nepotism at its finest as I've got my little brother Zachary on with me today and we're going to be talking about a, a topic that is more his specialty than mine in the fact that we are going to be talking about sports and sport in general, sports psychology. And then maybe I'll send him away with some sports anime to watch. And yeah, we'll see what happens and see what's going on. So Zachary, how are you? Very well, thank you. How's it going? Oh, all right. I'm good. Um, so for those people who don't know you, because obviously I've known you quite intimately for many years. <laughs> um <laughs> Solid, solid 21 years, maybe. <laughs> solid 21 years, yeah. Um, how about you tell us about yourself, what you do, all that jazz. So I'm a uh, student at the University of Greenwich, studying uh, sports science, hence the, uh, the podcast topic. Um, I also do a bit of football coaching, so I have done for about five years now, coaching grassroots football in South East London with uh, a grassroots team and... Charlton's Athletic, sorry about that, Charlton Athletic's Community Trust. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And um, so you're, you're 21, you're a young man, finding your way in the world. How's that been? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Um, to be honest, I think the uh, environment that you're in as a football coach and sort of what you follow on social media and stuff is quite a motivating environment. So it's quite nice been quite productive learning a lot admittedly to uh, tabletop rpg twitter is like the only part of twitter i ever want to partake in again it's so <laughs> positive and everybody's like gassing each other up and we all talk to each other with respect and then you go into normal twitter and you're just like i hate it here i want to leave yeah i was gonna say sport isn't exactly uh always the nicest place to be no well there are just some funny pages like um secret grassroots football coach thing and it's just like Right, we're back from a year of lockdown. It's time to do the bleep test and scream at your kids this session. <laughs> oh, no, so, not the bleep test. Brilliant. I've never so, done a bleep test in my life. But. So I think the best place to start is the start, because obviously as I, we grew up together, like it's quite a significant age gap, but like I know I remember you when you were younger as being like quite a, quite a pudgy kid, bless you, long hair, glasses um we weren't sure that you could walk in a straight line let alone run um and then so what you're saying is a physical specimen you were built different my friend um but yeah you and then you've you've grown up puberty hit you like a truck you've you've in you've you've lost a lot of weight you've become more physically fit and more physically active um what drew you towards sport then because like you were quite nerdy and like you you you, like kicked a ball about in terms of like um socially but you weren't like majoring you never seemed to be like majoring into sports so what kicked that off what kicked off that passion that's making you like now pursue a career as a coach and coaching kids and stuff like that i mean it was my main form of being social even at that age, you know, I was the, uh, the classic fat kid in goal when we went to the park. And, uh, 
you know, that was brilliant. It was like great environment to learn, just play. You know, we directed ourselves. We decided what we were going to do. We could be out for hours in the summer. Um, so obviously created, you know, a bit of a bit of a passion, which turned into watching on the TV. Things like um, I remember the 2010 World Cup being quite a big thing for me. Watching, you know, as many games as I could and learning about the teams and collecting like match attacks and all the sticker books and you know that's another social thing um then when i went to secondary school went to a new school didn't know anyone and um it was more about being on the team to be social so that got me a bit more competitive and talking to people and meeting new friends so i'd say that's where it started at least and then um started playing more competitive around year nine 14, 15. Mm. That was fun. A few years of just being really competitive. <laughs> yeah, we always knew when you when you'd lost a match because of the fact that you'd come home like proper. Oh, proper, miserable. Yeah, someone would have done something wrong. We have no idea what they'd done wrong, but they'd done something wrong. Um, yeah, and in fairness, I'm quite self-critical as well. I think it's probably mm. one of my worst traits. Hmm. I think. Uh, that seems to be an inherited trait. Why? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no. So, and it is kind of strange because you didn't really have like, like sportsmen type in our family. Like, no, no, we, no. I, I played rugby for a bit to be with my mates and have a bit of a laugh and stuff like that. And it was a game that allowed me to get my frustration out. And obviously, my dad was a martial artist, and I did martial arts and like combat sports like a little bit of boxing here and there, but mainly martial arts and rugby. So um, it it just seemed a bit strange out of that, out of nowhere. Like, and as a big brother, sometimes this happens. It just seems as if out of nowhere, you've grown up and you've become a bloke and you, you do sports and sports is your passion and you, you want to coach and stuff like that. So um, is, is it just football or is it, all sports like is there is there like multiple sports that you want to look at so in terms of um watching and learning about sport i'd say it's really comprehensive i want to see everything and take little things mm-hmm. you know because i think coaching is really like transferable across because it's working with people you know you look at like teaching it's working with people how people learn how to communicate how to manage behavior sometimes, how to manage expectations. Um, and sometimes football isn't always going to be the best at everything. You know? no. So um, I watch a lot of, I've been watching a lot of netball recently, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's free on YouTube, the Women's Super League. And mm-hmm. um, also I've got a friend who plays for London Pulse. Oh, cool. Like a girl from my school. And um, like looking at it, it's, basically the same principles as you see in any team sport things like um, creating space speed of the ball um, like autonomous decision making being better than your opponent 1v1 and you know it's transferable across every sport like rugby Mm. you might you know have to create space in the lineup you've got to be able to cut past someone 1v1 um you know, I think the principle's always going to be the same. So it's how you work with people that are going to make the difference, really. Yeah, because I, 
I coached and instructed as a, as a martial artist because I got my black belt. And I've always found that the, like the lessons I learned as, as an instructor doing those courses, like learning from my dad and stuff, were uh, uh, made me into the teacher I am today. You can cross off your bingo cards, podcast listeners. Anderson mentions is a teacher today. Um, <laughs> um, but also as well, I feel as if you're right, a lot of the, the things are transferable. I always remember um, going to watch my friend Zach funnily enough not you but my friends that go <laughs> play badminton at oxford brooks for varsity and um they, they weren't having a good game and he like came up to me and was like whinging and i don't know what i did but i just went into coach mode and everybody like was really surprised at me because i went right this is what you need to do and actually the advice i gave worked and worked to the point where they made like a, a little bit of a comeback and i was like oh okay like i would have thought that this wasn't actually applicable but so i feel <laughs> as if like yeah if you taking in that knowledge from a range of different sports is important and i think that a lot of it is transferable like you said in terms of decision making communication and stuff like that um what sports do you think have like the highest skill ceiling like what sports are you there like oh the skill levels in this are like insane that is hard to replicate um, across all sports i think there's so there's quite a few i think um gymnastics is one mm-hmm. because it's uh, the manipulation of your body at mm-hmm. such like power and speed is incredible mm-hmm. you know when you're being marked on like pointed toes and you're landing after a, a flip or something it's you know I think that's incredible and I love watching gymnastics. Um, I think when I was watching the uh, the Michael Jordan basketball documentary on Netflix. I need to, I, I watched some of that with my class and I need to finish it now because I'm like, yeah, it's, it's excellent. It's definitely worth But like, um, how they manipulated the ball and like the dexterity and like one single handed catches and like how it just maneuvered was incredible as well. Like mm. the speed of the ball and I don't know, it's just, that's always resonated with me. Um, what do you think? I think things like tennis as well. I was going to say, tennis is something that I've always thought, like, everybody can have a mess about at tennis, but it's really yeah. hard to be good at tennis. Like, you're, you're seeing Djokovic hit that on a serve at almost 200 miles an hour, and you're like, oh no, I've got a stand, somebody's got a stand in front of that and hit that back. Like, and then return all the bit of topspin or backspin or however yeah. they do it. And then a bit of skill as well. It's incredible. And they've got to think about like, oh, I'm playing on clay today, so this is going to bounce a little bit that way or grass. Yeah. So I've got. So yeah, I've always thought the skill ceiling in tennis is like really high, with for what looks like a simple sport. Like, yeah, definitely, definitely. As you said, anyone can mess around with tennis and just let it bounce high and just swing at it. But wow. When you watch Wimbledon, it's insane. Yeah. Wimbledon's a totally different ball game. Um, <laughs> is, is there any sports that like you've you've come across in in your like studies and like your your information gathering, let's say, where you're just like, I have no fucking idea how this works. Like, I don't understand what it is or what it does. Like, what what's going on? Because I have one that I've always been a bit like, uh? like, and I I don't get it. But have you got any of those? I think um, rugby and American football used to be like that for me. 
because uh-huh. they just seem so, like they look they seem like they'd be so simple and then the referee just keeps blowing his whistle and you're like what the hell like especially in rugby you're like I, I have no idea what's going on and then um I sort of learn a little bit but I still you know I still can tell you what the referee's calling for most mm. of the time um American football is the same but I think I think it's just more frustration on my part I don't really want to learn it because it's so annoying that they just keep cutting to adver- like adverts and analysis every play mm-hmm. it really annoys me like in American sport in general I think that's quite a big thing yeah they, they, they I think basketball doesn't do it as much because of like how frenetic and fast it is but a lot of American sports are stop start like yeah but hockey. even a little advert before uh, before free throw yeah time out and stuff yeah, yeah you've got like hockey and because you've got so many teams as well like in american football like i follow american football like you've got your defensive line your your offensive line your special team and like when you look at how many that's like almost 60 people on one team that yeah. and they get subbed out like entirely like to deal with stuff like it's insane so yeah i can get that mine's badminton yeah it's only if i get the special teams yeah. I understand there's something to let's do something to do with kicking, but I don't know what else they do. Yeah, like it's basically any special tactics that you that your team goes for. But yeah, my yeah. my sport that I, I I just genuinely don't understand is badminton. <laughs> like I don't understand badminton. I don't. It was like it's just tennis but floaty. I'm like, but it's not though, is it? Like like there's like and um, I, I I did for a long time not get netball. Like netball has such stringent rules. I thought it was just basketball for girls, and then I realised, yeah, oh no! Like it's 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 got like so many stringent rules. If I play this yeah, position, a few seconds to pass. You can't really touch anyone. Um, you can't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, and like certain positions, I stay in certain zones. And, <laughs> yeah, like, that was my yeah, frustration. From each team, and yeah, that was my frustration. Is is when I played netball was the fact that. I kept getting told off and going into the wrong place. I was like, I've literally moved one step to the side. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, no, um, sport's really interesting. So I've mainly followed like combat and contact sports. So you kind of called me out for rugby, NFL, uh, UFC, boxing and stuff like that. Those are my sports that I follow. Whereas you follow like more, I would say more skillful sports in terms of like football uh you've said about like bar, uh netball uh what other sports do you follow um so i'm not a massive i try and i try my best basically um i watch a bit of american football when the season was on but mm-hmm. again I, I try my best um basketball the same whenever i see on tv uh gymnastics netball rugby um tennis when it's on obviously football hmm. and all levels of football anything i can watch youth level women's men's your your, your consumption of football is something that i'm genuinely like yeah it, it's insane you're like oh the well, the the italian league are doing this at the minute i'm like no one cares <laughs> like why are you doing this but you're like you know and like you know you're like i because I, I can't remember who you said about I don't know if it was the Dortmund thing when you had that obsession with Germany, but you kept going on about like players who you think will come over to the Premier League and then like actually 
some of them did and then oh i used uh, to be obsessed with transfers that was another thing i was, like, <laughs> I was obsessed with writing lineups for every team in my like the formation i thought they should play in and i was obsessed with like every new season like just scratching out the players i didn't like and putting in new players for each team mm. and just trying to guess how much they'd be worth and yeah it's quite sad but no, if, <laughs> if you've got a talent like that they like do it because like do you do fantasy football at all um yeah but i'm not i don't know i'm not particularly good at it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> it really annoys me because i'm like i know his stats but then he just doesn't score in the days i want him to <laughs> it is. I can imagine that is hella annoying with how like analytical you are of every player and stuff like that. And then you're there like, hang on, what? How comes my team's not doing well? Like, and then it's yeah, like, I'm, cause... I'm learning Python so I can write a program to do it for me. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Turning to my dad. <laughs> I, can, I can get you in contact with my friend Ben if you want. He uh, he uh, does programming for like some big sites about oh, odds and stuff like that so yeah um but yeah so you mentioned you were a coach earlier and you mainly coach football um yeah and you were thinking about trying to coach in other sports at one point when i was talking to you um you said that coaching is about talking to people communicating with people working with people to get the best out of them is that your general coaching philosophy or do you have other things that you um so in like a sentence i sort of describe it as connecting people towards some sort of common goal mm-hmm. and sort of sharing the idea that anything is possible for them both in you know that individual game in their sport in their life really so I try and take quite like a holistic approach as much as that word is just thrown around all the time. Um, and just try to, uh, you know, just be as personal as possible, just create as much as a fun environment as possible. Because um, at the end of the day, the kids I'm working with at what I call like a participation level, mm-hmm. they're not, I'd like, I'm not coaching that academy, maybe one day, but for the minute, it's very much about their sort of psychosocial development. So mm-hmm. I sort of branch into like um, leadership, communication, teamwork as like the basics and all of that sort of intricacies come under that really. Um, yeah, fun and friendship, as I mentioned, sort of mental skills that can help them. Things like uh, I follow PCD, um, psychological uh, characteristics for developing excellence. Mm-hmm. So um, they're using imagery, uh, reflecting, evaluating, uh, evaluating yourself, um, attributing your performance to like the right things, so things you can control, rather than ah oh, the ref was shit today or oh, um, and I think there's nine things all to do. So I try and put that into training sessions. Um, I have like a little. Like, in terms of values, I remember making this when I was, like, 13. It was, like, called Tick. So, um, tenacity. So, I never given up. Intensity, um, giving your all. Uh, showing character. So, you know, being, like, a role model of behaviour. Um, working hard and being, like, a good person. And kindness, just because, you know, that's how people work. That's how people connect together. And form a social group. 
that's that's interesting actually because like thinking about it like even in my short tenure as as a sportsman in terms of like rugby and and taekwondo as, as a martial artist like those that ethos that you had to have and that mindset that you had to have in those sports like carried me on so to talk about like the developmental and the holistic approach you take in in sport i think is really important and it's one of the things that i want to use with my year group in in the future because they can be quite difficult like but i found a few of them who are good at basketball and like some of them who are like unexpectedly good at basketball so i've got like one one lad who who people would describe as like one of the naughty kids or troubled kids and okay. actually he's like dangerous from anywhere up to halfway like uh, in terms of shooting like he oh, can wow, score yeah. three pointers all day like <laughs> and he's not ne- he's not massively tall or massively athletic he just like shoots and most of the time he finds net swish like so i think that it is really helpful to have like sports in your life because it gives you that ethos and those tenants like in taekwondo it's courtesy integrity perseverance self-control and an indomitable spirit those five things like yeah. become like a core of who you are even as a kid you think about those things and you think about how you want to treat people like you're in control of what you do like don't give up like and all that uh, stuff so it is it is really interesting to to see like your ethos and like that idea of like we're going towards a common goal but you've got to give your all you've got to be this you've got to be that even at such a young age do you think that um like young kids need that in their lives like those those developmental and uh almost like ethical lessons um maybe not explicitly so I don't think they need to be told, all right, this is our new mantra, guys. I want you to hang up on your wall and remember it for the rest of your life. Mm. But I think um, it's about building those like habits and ex- expectations of behavior and encouraging them to take that into the rest of their life as well. Because it's easy for you to say, oh, they're amazing at football. And their parents come and says, oh, well, they're not doing that at school type thing. Mm. And um, so when you're like, I'm looking at, the person not just the person while they're at football yeah yeah. so yeah i think um it's definitely important for them to have like ethos but it doesn't necessarily have to be explicit um and really uh you know overly drilled into them by a coach or an adult it can be creating an environment for them to almost um hold themselves accountable Mm. to those behaviors so if um keep going sorry go on go on go on i was gonna say like accountability is something that i did want to talk to you about in terms of like sport because the attitude of of sportsmen in different areas is is very different um so for example if we use your 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 sport of football and my sport of rugby like as a six foot tall lad like 16 physically fit able i would listen to the balding 40 year old man who was five foot nothing whenever he said made a decision he blew the whistle and he told me i I was an idiot and i'd go yes sir like and and i'd walk (laughs) away like sort of thing um one of the weirdest stories i've ever had is um basically 
uh, uh, the referee blew the whistle, drew me and my uh, team captain over, and basically told my team captain off to in order to for him to tell me that I was stood there. And like okay. I didn't say anything. Like I didn't go, I'm right here or anything like that. I, he went. He literally went. Now tell him. And then my team captain pulled me out in front of everybody and said that the ref's not happy with me because I did this, this, and this. Um, it was mainly because I was disengaging the scrum to like uh, get more force, sort of thing. Um, okay. And he was like, um, I'm, I'm not happy with him. So like. Whereas in football, if, if you were to have that interaction, um, there'd be uproar. Like, there'd be people throwing... So do you think accountability is something that's really important in sport? Yeah, I do. And I think um, the problem with football is it's so such like a toxic culture around football, mm. especially even in, even in grassroots, you know. Um, when you've got like adults or parent coaches or even adult coaches who are getting paid and yeah. they're like all about winning at that age to the point where they're you know aggressive at the referees and then again that's not creating the environment to respect referees yeah and that's his, he's the person who's creating that environment for those kids and he's i think um, yeah exactly exactly and i think him not being accountable to himself is letting down those kids type thing or she sorry but is letting down those kids and if they do end up becoming professional football they don't respect the referees now it's on tv and it's even more role modeling so i think it's a really big cycle that's going to take a lot of time to uh remove from the game yeah no that makes that makes sense and i think that's that's really that's a really interesting insight into the fact that like it's from that level like because even parents yeah. on the sideline like in rugby versus football in rugby when when parents are on the sidelines and parent coaches they tell you off like they tell you off when you do something wrong and they yeah. tell you to think about what you've done whereas in football they're usually shouting at the ref or like did you see that or something did you see that like do something about that 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 player like even yeah. at like under 12s level and you're like oh come yeah, on even younger, even younger as well <laughs> it's I, um, I remember eight teams and i get pestered by the parents about like oh um you know he didn't play well today he's not your kid <laughs> like, like, like he's not your kid leave it out <laughs> I'm, like, that's that's one of my big things like don't come talking to me about someone else's kid mm. like um because it's just not cool for really no, um, we, we have the same thing in, in taekwondo like if, if someone got their ass kicked in a, in a match you wouldn't you wouldn't then go oh well that kid didn't perform well you just leave it like like you, you talk yeah. about your kid if you if you if another kid didn't have his guard up and got hit by a kick to the head and taken out that's his problem right and his parents will talk to him about that like it's not for me unless I directly instruct them and I coach them then yeah. I need to talk to them about that sort of thing but yeah yeah I'd rather build like that relationship with the parent where we're working together to help their child rather than working together really poorly to run the team because that's not going to work 
because they're not willing to take that time to do it and they're just uh, a yapper really that unfortunately like um welcome to leadership my friend because i'm learning that <laughs> lesson like how are you gonna see parents evenings right yeah like I, I, <laughs> well even even in my new job it's it's very different from my old like it's not it is very different from like what i'm used to like so i'm used to i talk to kit to parents about my subject my lessons and i know what happens in my lessons therefore I have all the answers sort of thing. Whereas yeah. now, because I'm responsible for a year group holistically across the school, I'm like, oh no, I have no idea what's going on in, in geography. Like, like I, I can go have a look. Like, And the parents are like, Rah! I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want me to do here? So yeah, I think that, that it is very, they are very transferable spills, skills coaching and teaching and actually when you think about it coaching and teaching are the same thing just looking yeah, at definitely. coaching has more modeling and more exercises in practicality whereas teaching is about inputting new information and stuff like that like, i think it's literally the same it's just different tool set really like um hmm. think about it like uh instead of write a story i want you to do this passing drill or this certain constraint on a match yeah but you know, it's like it's just a different toolbox yeah i guess so yeah because practice is practice no matter what it is like and we're still inputting information even if it's explicitly because i imagine you might still do teaching sessions where you want them to learn implicitly sometimes you know yeah so yeah i think um they are very 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 similar and i'd love to do teaching maybe yeah. after university from your little bit of spiel um, that you said about your philosophy, you're very quickly going to rise up the ranks of uh, of teaching because you've got the buzzwords down, like accountability, intensity. You're going to be the stereotypical PE teacher who's like senior leadership in their third year or something. Well, I just did an FA philosophy course, so I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So. No. Is there is there a like so in your course is there a lot of like sports psychology and philosophy then that you need to like um, in, my, in my uni course there's not really anything about philosophy mm-hmm. we um we have a coaching module mm-hmm. which talks about like um a lot of it's like S and C strength and conditioning to be honest mm-hmm. um, but we do have a few guest lectures from Charlton Athletic is they're mm-hmm. literally like around the corner their training base. Um, so they've talked about things like uh, talent identification, um, again S and C, uh, coaching, communication, things like that. But weren't the greatest sessions. But um, a lot of like some interesting anecdotes from them. In terms of sports psychology, we have some really good lecturers actually. Um, sort of ones working with. Uh, a lot of teams around London and Kent, so like the cricket club, uh, football team. Mm. Um, and that works with uh, the Paralympic basketball team. Oh, he's, like, he's a pretty sound guy, works really, seems to just really love his stuff, really know his stuff. So he, um, we learn quite a lot from them. Sports psychology is probably one of the best modules for teaching there. Mm. Do you, um... so the thing is with sports psychology that 
I find really interesting is it wasn't really a thing for a long time like or, or it didn't have a name it always happened you always talked about like the psychology of winning and like what yeah. you need to think about to be a winner like envision you know, winning like, regulate yourself and yeah. how you need to but then yeah. it became like something it became a thing like sports psychology became its own thing it was no longer like a coach's job or, or a coach had that partially but then now you had like a sports psych on a team um is it, what do you think about that field do you think do you think that's something that people should invest a lot into um i think it's really uh really beneficial and it would i think it would be something i'd go into if it wasn't for the amount of years you have to dedicate to training to be one mm. and it will maybe be for something i do later on um, because I think you have to you do your masters and you do like a few years as a practitioner. Mm, you have to do, don't you have to be a doctor by the end? Um, I don't think you no, I don't think you have to be, but I think it's generally considered a, a good practice to do so. Mm. Um, no, I, I like them a lot. Uh, sort of a lot of um, the podcasts I listen to and books I read are sports psychology based so mm. things like uh, the sports psych podcast with Dan Abrahams uh, high performance podcast with uh, Damien Hughes and Jay Comfries guy from BT Sport BT yeah I'm gonna go with BT um, so I listen to that quite a lot um, a book called Chin Paradox by Steve Peters really interesting um, how I think they're used I think isn't perfect is um doing the one-to-one meetings is fine like which is commonly used or group sessions and like specifically with the sports psych but i think um a lot of the things need to be integrated into the actual football practice or sport practice yeah well you would well you'd think that that would be common sense wouldn't it if i want people to start thinking in a certain way they have to all do it at the same time and it has to be present in everything they do well, yeah, you have to have the right environmental cues to think like that. Yeah. And like, yeah. Um, so I think uh, sports psych should almost be, as part of a coaching team, mm. help like um, help embed in certain principles into each training session, having a focus, and um, almost given more as like a facilitator role to give the coach the tools to then challenge his players psychologically. Mm. Yeah, definitely, because that that would make it more like because at the moment from from what what you see and what you hear like it's almost like being sent to the sports psychs like a, a, a like you'll be you've been naughty or something like yeah it's almost like after a after a big blowout big flare up on the training pitch he's got angry or he's got a red card it's like oh send to the sports psych and he'll come back brand new yeah right which we know in terms of mental health anyways and how that works. Like, if someone's <laughs> unhappy, you need to get to the root of the problem. But yeah, that's that's really yeah. interesting when you think about it like that. So, um, yeah. Um, in terms of, like, recent sporting events, we've obviously had White vs. Povetkin 2 in terms of boxing, which was... Um, I saw the knockout and he literally folded the guy in half. It, it looked rancid. Like, <laughs> it, it, um, and we've had some major fights. Uh, uh, 
football's on international break at the minute. Yeah, so England uh, played Poland, Albania and San Marino. What, today or in one day? (laughs) No, over sort of the past week, give or take. And how are they doing? What are they looking like? Yeah, three matches in the last week. Uh, well, they won all their matches. Won all their matches. Uh, it's the dude with the waistcoat still. A few um, good performances. We had quite a few injuries going into it. Fair enough. Yeah, Gareth Southgate, yeah, he's still in charge. Right, yeah. The classic World Cup photo, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> what's-his-name tried to replicate it. I can't remember if it was the under-21s coach or the women's coach tried to replicate it as well. Like, um, I think it might have been when Phil Neville was the women's coach. Yeah. yeah. No, um, so, um, are are you hopeful for the for the England side this year? Like with because they, the what I've always felt like with English football is there was like this this bastion of great players who were like the best players. So you've got the your Beckham's, your Owens, your your Coles and stuff, and your John Terry's. Yeah in that one squad, that one super squad, and they all hated each other because they played for different teams. But, and then after that, it's almost like England, the the FA went, oh shit, we've got nothing after this. As they started leaving one by one, it was like, (laughs) oh no, (laughs) we've literally got no replacements for them. So do you think that England's doing a better job of like homegrowing talent now? Yeah, I was actually reading about this probably a couple of months ago. Um, Basically, our old youth system was based on a, a really limited piece of research saying that um, the majority of goals came from under three passes. Mm. So what that turned into was long ball FC, big <laughs> man and little man up front, playing long balls, playing direct football, which is essentially what English football looked like up until really maybe even the 2010s mm. when um, saw Barcelona's sextuple win when they won six trophies in one season and Spain won the European Championship in 2008, 2012 and 2010 playing sort of possession football. Yeah. And um, sort of maybe a few, I, think I can't quite, I don't really know the timeline off by heart, but sort of a few years after that, and came things like um, the FA DNA, uh, more coach education, better coach education, um, things like the level one, level two, were sort of either introduced or revamped, things like that. So they have all, and to be honest, the level one I did is already two versions behind what's being introduced now. Oh. It's really involving and learning all the time and bringing in really good people by the sound of it. So I definitely think you're doing a better job. Yeah. But so because, like, obviously you have the homegrown rule in in the UK, which is do we still and in majority of Europe it's a UEFA rule. It's a UEFA rule. So we've got the the homegrown rule, which is what sixty percent of your team needs to be native to the country or something like that. I think in that it's eight, eight homegrown out of a squad of twenty five, but that doesn't include under. 21s because mm. I think this is this is a problem that a lot of rugby's never really suffered from it so I've never really got it but like the importing of players and stuff like that 
is prolific in a lot of sports that aren't like oh, yeah. contact based or so like football basketball is another one where a lot of players are, are imported from like spain and stuff like that yeah. um uh how do you think that affects the game of of a of a country and of a how does that affect a sport when you've got all these players just moving around the place all the time I think it's an interesting one because you can argue that bringing in lots of international players does improve the level of the game mm. because it's obviously you know you're just picking the best players from a bigger selection mm-hmm. but for the national game that doesn't limit chances mm. for young players to make their debuts and for and it also skyrockets the price so we see english players going for phenomenal prices because Maybe it's the homegrown one, but more because it's such a commodity to have a top English player. And I think, um, yeah. you know, you see Harry McGuire moving to Manchester United for 80 million as a, 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 a very good player, but not worth 80 million pounds. We see this, and I wanted to come on to this and ask you your opinion. We see this in esports quite a lot. So in things like League of Legends, Overwatch League and stuff like that, like video yeah. game sports where native talent can skyrocket their price up because of things like the import rule in league of legends so you can only have two imported players so like mediocre american players are one getting the opportunity to to play professionally and are being paid mega money because of the fact that organizations are desperate for those those players like Oh, and even uh, players who have become what they call naturalised, so players who are now count as um, domesticated players. Is um, it like players who get like green cards and things yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 They're like, yeah, like some of them are like stealing paychecks in League of Legends at the minute. Like absolutely, mm-hmm. like just they're like, yeah, I'll I'll be transferred for like forty million, like. Because, yeah, because I wanted to ask you about esports actually, because esports has evolved so much. What's your opinion on esports? Because they've got coaches, they've got sports sites, they've got um, dietitians and all that jazz. Um, what, what, what do you think about that? I find it very, I do want to say, I find it really interesting, to be honest. Um, so I played a bit of League of Legends and, um, you know, I obviously played it with you and um, enjoyed it and watched uh, like the LCS and Worlds and stuff like that. And obviously, um, as an entertainment industry, they're bringing in that money to do that. And I think when it becomes into a sport like that and they invest into the port, it's nice to see. It's quite, um, you know, supporting that idea of having multidisciplinary teams behind top level performers. I didn't want to say athletes, but like top level performers. And I think um I think obviously a very different approach, like nutrition, for example, I imagine probably as uh you know, I think your brain completely changes its composition over like a month period. Mm. So all the proteins in there have completely broke down and rebuilt itself over quite a small time period. So I imagine nutrition is really important and Psychology is obviously going to be really important when you get those those clutch plays, those reactions. If you're losing 
I'm trying to think. You're losing 2 0. It's first to three, isn't it? Um, depends, but yeah, first to three, we'll say. Right. In a first to three, if you're losing 2 0, you're going to be bricking it. That's sports psychology training. Yeah, it could be beneficial. Yeah, you can do things like the miraculous reverse sweep and stuff if you've got that mental. Yeah. But um, because, yeah, they've, they've evolved so much now. They've, they've franchised the league, so it's like a, an actual franchise. They've, they've, they're, they're building like these state-of-the-art training facilities and going to stadiums. The Overwatch League um, actually had the homestand model, which in the current climate kind of shat the bed a bit. But basically in Overwatch League, what they were trying to do is each major city in the world would have a team. Yeah. And then you would go to that that arena. They'd all have an arena that they played in. And you'd go to that arena yeah. and play at that arena. Like, um, so... That's awesome. Yeah, like, so it's it's becoming like this thing that people are spending millions on. Um, it's definitely something I'd like to jump on. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, really growing financial market. Yeah, the problem with, with, with Overwatch League, though, is one, the players aren't that great anymore, and two, it's gone down the pan with um, with COVID because obviously you can't have homestands and stuff like that. So <laughs> this model that everybody's bought into and paid, because people are paying to be in these franchises as well, like 20 million, 20, 25 million to be in these franchises, like to just play in this league. It's insane. Yeah. Like... Um, it's but similar it's, to like um, the MLS model, isn't it? In yeah. Football. I think is the NFL the same? You have to yeah. buy a, yeah. Because, because like, uh, wh- what do you think about Americans? Because like, it takes on a very American sports model of like, no one ever gets relegated and rah rah rah. Um, nobody has to play for their life, basically. Um, what's your opinion on that? The fact that in in those franchise sports, and it does seem like that's the way that sports are going. Even the more uh, what do we call it? Sports, um, less lower profile sports that are gaining following. So things like volleyball, for example, I begin mm. to go down that like American franchise esque route. How does that make you feel? Thinking about like the fact that nobody would get relegated, etc., um, etc. Et I think relegation and promotion are some of my favourite things. To be honest, I think they're necessary. Like, because you know you get those sort of stories of. Um, Southampton or Bournemouth going from League One, League Two to the Premier League, or and like completely revamping their finances just because of what they did on the pitch. Leicester and they weren't, weren't to do it. Leicester exactly yeah. coming from being promoted, few seasons they'd won the league. Yeah, completely out of view. Watching, um, watching people in League of Legends even um, play for their lives, like there was something yeah. different. The fact that relegations were happening, and like you watch these pros literally play for their lives. If 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 they demoted, that might be them forever. Like they've got a year to get back, and if not, what happens then? Um, so I think it's really important, but for some reason, American sports doesn't do that. I don't know why. I think it's a classic, like protecting your money and collecting all the. Getting all the money towards a small group of clubs, mm. because um, if you look in the Premier League, you get teams like Sunderland, pretty decent Premiership side, always around the bottom, relegated. Now in their own League One, 
maybe even League Two or close to being relegated, struggling financially. So you think, if you imagine like a, I don't know, a New York City Red Bulls or no, a New York Red Bulls or a New York City getting relegated. That's probably not even the best example. They're quite new clubs, but big clubs, big financially, and then struggling. There's a relegation, you know, it'd be quite a quite pride here, I think. Yeah, because obviously when you go down leagues, like player salary caps go down and stuff like that. And... Yeah, and you get less sponsorship, there's not as many matches on TV, mm. not as much media coverage. So yeah, um, you have to protect your uh, your assets, I guess. And Yeah, I think, I think also because on those leagues, I think the clubs have a more um, buy-in, no, like more clout in terms of what the league does mm. and the league regulations and how the league works. Whereas in the Premier League, like the clubs get to vote, but they don't really, you know, they're not in massive control of things. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. In the franchise leagues, like team owners can turn up and go, no, I don't like that. Like, whereas in like the Premier League... There's always like a board of directors, aren't they, yeah. really? Because they're buying the franchise. Yeah. Whereas in the Premier League, when when the Premier League makes a decision, you you you, yeah. you you adapt, overcome, survive, or die, like, and that happens sometimes. You'll get out of it like someone like Man City. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or you or you just have uh, like uh, oil money coming out your ears. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think been of? The of Sorry, you go first. Just saying, um, Man City got uh, investigated recently for. Um, Basically, given because they're basically owned by I think Saudi Arabia, yeah, or one an oil nation, and it might be Qatar. Um, basically, just owned by the nation. I think it's one of their princes, and um, basically they had companies sponsoring that were state-owned. <laughs> so one is, you're basically just investing your country into this football club. <laughs> That's insane. But, they didn't find any proof, so and obviously they denied it. One thing I will give America chops for is their collegiate system, though. Like, oh, that's I love it. The collegiate a, system and the draft system, the draft system in in American sports is like mm. god tier. Like, one of the things I love about NFL is draft day. I love draft day. Like, it's just. It's just so good. You just say like, what happens if someone else takes our player first though? Like, oh, what if they decline our offer and go to someone else? Because in the NFL, you send them a helmet, and then like, yeah, you go, we draft this person, and they have the opportunity to refuse. Like, mm-hmm. so you you hope to, to dear God that you've secured that beforehand, but like, and it's always just really tense because you're also looking at your opponents like. So who are you? Oh, you want you need a new QB. You need a new quarterback. So these are the good quarterbacks in the draft. You're here in the draft. So where are you gonna? When are you gonna get them? Because somebody else is gonna pick that up before you. Like, yeah. it's such a strategic fucking mind game. Because as well, I know, although I don't understand it a hundred percent, but the fact that the 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 worst performing teams get earlier points in the draft. Yeah, I like that as well. Because cause you can also trade your draft space, can't you, in American sports? Like, you can... 
you can trade your draft space so you can you can trade your draft pick for a player or something like that they do it all the time it's just insane but yeah like so what do you think about the collegiate system in, in america and do you like you say it's god tier like or that's good do you think that's what we should emulate in the uk yeah i adore it to be honest because when you look at um sport here we're trying to get them into you know professional football academies i think the youngest they can join an academy is under nine right so they're eight years old into a professional right, performance environment even before then there's development centers pre-academies where they can go to from being a toddler mm-hmm. and i think you know that takes on most of their week or you know a few nights a week on a saturday morning and i think um i'm really conscious of when people early specialize in a sport or even in any task any like activity if one becomes a massive part of their identity so when it becomes something like football if their identity is become a professional footballer make a drop down academy mental health destroyed mm. hence why um recently i was allowed you got dropped down manchester city's academy and committed suicide i was in the news and absolute uproar and now you see mental health um specialists in every football club i also think that with the academy system in the uk like people don't understand how important it is right so as as an educator i get kids turn around to me all the time and go i want to be a professional footballer or a basketball player or something and i'm like do you play for the local team and they're like yeah i'm like do you pay for county no jeff you ever went for a trial for county no have you ever played on an academy team no like they don't know that those things are really important like that information isn't out there it seems yeah like it's only available to the select few um so do you think that's also we've if we had a collegiate system like the us where that where it's 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 possible that football and stuff will take you places but to be on the football team you have to get good grades and whatnot um, yeah, I'd love to see it as things like um, a local football club really investing into its community in terms of schools. Yeah. So having, you know, academy coaches as PE staff. Yeah. For one, it's a higher quality of service for the school. Yeah. And for two, academy coaches are paid really poorly. Like... Um, I think I saw an advertised part time, so most of them are part time until you've been working for about ten years. Yeah, and um, they're sort of, I don't know, about thirteen, fourteen, fifteen k a year. And that's so you have to have, have to have multiple jobs. Yeah, to be a coach. So I think if you're working as a teacher, at least you've got a bit more of a stable salary. Mm. Maybe not obviously. Yeah, but. I think it'll just be good for every party and you'd have the club invest into the community. One, they'd know about every kid in their community. Because they you know, they're investing in the schools, they've got actual and then they can compete against each other, they compete on, you know, county level, uh, regional level, national level, whatever. They can go up the same way and they can do the same with universities as well. But it's all Already, most clubs have got partnerships with universities for work placement students. They could do the same with having a more vested interest in the university team, 
So I think it could be quite easily done hmm. to turn into the collegiate system. It would just take, obviously, a complete overhaul and really invest in resources into schools and public sector rather than themselves and the academy. Yeah, yeah it would be about um, just being being honest and saying, like, this is going to take time. But it will get that yeah. information out there to those people who want it and, like, those kids who want to be professional footballers will know how to get there because those people are linked to their schools and stuff like that. Whereas, yeah, whereas now it's just like, if I'm lucky, the county trials will be at a time when I can go. Yeah, or you might get lucky that a certain scout was there to watch me when he was meant to be watching someone else or mm. yeah. stuff like that. Because, yeah, it's a lot of the time it's the parents who reach out to scouts and stuff at the minute. Right? Yeah. And it's about, yeah... Just doesn't or sit... agencies, which is even worse. Yeah, it's it doesn't sit right with me. Like, as an educator, like, everybody should... Like, for example, the kid that I was talking about in basketball, like, kid is dangerous from anywhere on the court, and no nobody would know. The only reason I know that is because he was in school during lockdown, and I was in school during lockdown, and I was on duty, so I just used to play basketball with the kids who were, on, were in the provision. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he's there, like wrecking me and one of the other blokes that we that I, I work with who is a sportsman whereas I just play basketball for fun like like he's there like oh okay whatever I'll jump up to get it and he'll wait for me to jump like he knows when to shoot like he's yeah like and he and he just knows you're a six for four yeah unit yeah, like I jump <laughs> to block his shot, well. and he just waits, and then goes, "Oh, cool," and then oh, like, like a little faint, yeah. little faint, drawn a jump. Yeah, yeah, like, and so he knows, and like to have that smarts in the game, no one would know that in, unless they played yeah. the game with him, and like, so I'm going to try and use that after Easter and try and get the basketball team going. Um, but yeah, no, because sports are allowed, hopefully after. Half term. Well, no, I'll just get out from now, from Monday. Yeah. Last Monday. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, well, this has been a good episode. We've we've talked about your coaching philosophy and stuff. Let's talk about like representation of of sports and the sports lifestyle in like popular media. So we're talking about films. My favourite is the sports anime. I fucking love a good sports anime. Before you'd say that. Before you'd um, say that. So, uh, are there any films that you've watched, or any films that you like about sport that you're like, no, nah, this is this is this is it. This is the this is the best sports movie ever. Or is there a sports anime? So, I, I made a little list of other media. So I had a little sport spider diagram, right? Yeah. And um, so I first thought I put okay. I'll start with films. Um, so I put movies and documentaries together. Yeah. Is this, documentaries are massive mm. I mean I think they're great to be honest um, like Amazon Prime All or Nothing I've not seen you know, the, good. the American football ones they're really good but they've also done it for the New Zealand rugby team the mm. All Blacks awesome and the book by um, James Kerr Legacy yeah yeah that's a must read um, I don't know Man City Tottenham and Brazil football teams that's just really good, really nice insight. Um, not as detailed as I'd like, because it's definitely more of like an entertainment thing, but mm. awesome, really cool. Um, movies, I think for me, 
So there's two. So there's Rocky. Rocky, which yep. are just my fa- Rocky and Creed series. Just my favorite, favorite movies ever. To be honest, <laughs> if I'm ever in a bad mood, honestly, I think I watched Creed two at uni last year. I'd like, I was struggling to sleep last year at uni, and uh, I just used to watch Creed two at like two, three, four in the morning. Wake up for like stay up for a run at five or six, doing all day, all doing all day at uni, and then go sleep in the afternoon. And it was just brilliant, honestly. I was at such a happy place just by sleeping, like making up sleep in bed. But um, they're amazing movies, um, so inspiring. I love the sound. I listen to the. Uh, do do do. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> I can't sing for shit. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, and then other than that, in terms of like a movie genre, football hooligan movies. Football hooligan movies. So not even about the actual sport. Just like... <laughs> I think you probably see about two minutes of football action in between Green Street and um, Football Factory. Probably see about two minutes of football, but they're classic films. Green Street, Green Street's the best one out of the two, like oh, yeah. un- undeniably. But yeah, PSE. I would have, I would have thought that you'd have like more like. So my go-to like sports film, whenever I think about sports, I've got two as well. And mine are Coach Carter, which is yes, banger. I love that. Absolute all to all banger. And the other one is the Mighty Ducks. Because Mighty Ducks is about hockey. It's about ice hockey, and it's about kids playing ice hockey. But like the, it actually became like an NFL team, an NHL, sorry, team. Oh, okay. So basically, Disney invested in this NHL team, and it's still a team. And if you ever played the NHL games, you could play as the Mighty Ducks, so you felt like fucking invincible. So they, those were cool films. Um. What other media have you got in terms of... Because Coach Carter, it's just Samuel L. Jackson being Samuel L. Jackson being yeah, the baddest Coach motherfucker in the room. And I love, I love the message in it. Yeah. Um, so, like, when I when I watched it, I was being I was doing it for, like, a research purpose, really. I wanted to look into his coaching style. And, like, for it, I really don't, like, um, connect with it, personally. Mm-hmm. But as a watcher, it's amazing. Like, the authoritarian... Um, conditioning is a reward, um, like just really high expectation. I'm, yeah, it's a brilliant movie. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I had things like gaming mm-hmm. is massive. So like the FIFA games, uh, NFL games, yeah, Madden, NHL, uh, WWE games. I remember we used to play. Yeah. Um, uh, to be honest, I've kind of gone off FIFA. Not out of the actual game, but more because I'm still on Xbox 360. Yeah. Admittedly, my PS4 barely gets So my latest. So. And like, even the, yeah, U- the UFC games are out of work nowadays. Like, there's no good yeah. boxing games because everybody's under different promoters, so licensing's an issue. Yeah, no, I remember. I don't know what game it was, but I remember I was at a mate's house. On his PlayStation, and playing, but it was an awesome boxing game. You could like duck, dodge, like just it was so realistic. Uh, probably what's called night or something, because yeah, like you could yeah, like you have all like good boxing. Yeah, games. you have buttons, 
but dark and yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, like it literally was like a puppet. Yeah, how the controls all worked. Um, then I had things like anime and cartoons. Well, anime is a massive one because, like, yeah. like if you think of the audience for anime, like, and in Japan, like, actually, genuinely, certain sports have seen massive upticks in participation because of anime. So yeah, that's cool. Like, so like you've got in in the nineties, eighties, you had an anime called Slam Dunk, which was about basketball. Okay, and then. In the 2010s, you had Kuroko's No Basket or Kuroko's Basketball, which again, sure, basketball. And then you've got other things like my, my Haikyuu at the minute is like one of the biggest animes in the world, and it's about volleyball. And now Japanese. Is that attack or attack on something? What? Is that attack? No, you're talking about Attack on Titan, which isn't a sports anime. No, like, no, no. I was Googling one earlier, and there was a volleyball one called attack or attack on tackler give me one second <laughs> but yeah like i'll give you a list of, of sports anime to watch but at the end of the of the podcast because there's some yeah i'd love that yeah, no, no honestly honestly attack on titans yeah attack on tomorrow ashidai attack uh i've not seen that i don't one. know why i said that like, i need to i need to look at that attack on tomorrow but yeah oh, no man. you've got and you've got like so yeah because even though yeah. like a lot of these sports anime risk running into that crazy like dragon Ball Z-esque power-ups and naruto-esque like ninjutsu shit like some of them do like just capture like the sport really well do you think that those other mediums like yeah. films and and stuff and animes and video games are, are instrumental in stoking a passion for the for the sport? Or do you um, think you've got to have it in you? In terms of... I think in the in terms of passion of the sport as a consumer, yes. Mm. But I think in terms of physical activity, not necessarily. Because mm. I can tell you more people that play FIFA than actually play football physically. Yeah, yeah. You know, they'll say, oh, yeah, I fancy a kickabout, but, you know, it'll be one of those, oh, no, I'm busy now. It's um, not like some of the some of the NFL players who also play Madden, like, religiously. Like, Yeah, to be fair, you see, um, I think uh, during the last lockdown, no, not the last lockdown, the first lockdown, um, the Premier League hosted, like, a little FIFA tournament mm. instead of the actual league because it was stopped. Yeah. And it was the actual a player from each team or sometimes a celebrity supporter, mm-hmm. playing FIFA just against each other for everyone to watch on YouTube. And that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, really cool. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it can uh, promote the passion for the, for a sport. Um, but that doesn't always correlate to actually um, physically being active. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, like I said, in Japan, they have those massive spikes and stuff for sports. But... I don't think in the in the West we're not that easily influenced to do things. We're not um, because of the fact that um, we're we're very individualistic rather than collective in terms. Yeah, of, very liberal. Yeah, like whereas in in Japan, like because it was part of the public consciousness, like the mm. collective said, like maybe we should do this, like sort of thing. Um, but yeah, if I was to recommend any sports anime, I'd rep- I'd recommend Haikyuu. Um, 
Kuroko's Basketball. Um, the both of those are on Netflix. So, oh, yeah, yeah quite so easy. Kuroko's Basketball. And then if you can get them, the other ones I recommend are, are um, Hinamari Zumo, which is about sumo wrestling, and All Out, which are, is about rugby. So, um, uh, it's about going all out, as they say, in your rugby. And then if you want, like, classic anime, Prince of Tennis is pretty good as well. But yeah, those are, those are dope as fuck. See, I don't know if it qualifies as anime, but we talked about it the other day. Galactic Football. Oh, Galactic Football. That was, that, yeah, that was crazy. That was so good. I was thinking about this the other day, because um, one of my things I really like... It's like studying and research about is like organizational psychology mm-hmm. so like how team culture works and how that contributes to performance and i i was thinking of trying to like find out if you can find anything about the culture of the different teams like the different forces and, mm-hmm. but that might be a future one we talk about yeah when we when we re-watch the series or whatever <laughs> yeah Okay. We just have all these awesome like tabletop RPG podcasts, and it'd just be like a random couple of sporty ones. Yeah, no, well, it's the part of many things. I get to do what I like. Um, but yeah, for, thanks for coming on, Zach. We've had a good time. So usually at this point, I do something called the deck of many questions. But the problem is with the deck of many questions, it's geared towards people who play tabletop RPGs. So like, it has loads of Dungeons and Dragons questions and shit like that in it, which you won't be able to answer. Like, so yeah. my question to you instead is there have been multiple fantasy sports that have been like made in films, TV, books, stuff like that. Have you ever looked at a sport in like a film or a TV show or something like that that's not real and went, fuck, that's so cool. If I could compete in that, I would. And what is it? So, uh- I'm thinking of a few. I've got a few. Um, one would just mention Galactic Football, but I'm going to say because of the like the powers. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, like there's like an en- every planet has like an energy source that you can tap into in Galactic Football to do like cool acrobatic shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, just flying and doing like proper powerful shots. So. Yeah. But I think the one I remember best, and I, I don't even know why I remember it. It's probably the only thing I really remember from the show is when the guy did like a rainbow flick over one of the shadow people and then just like crawled through his legs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 like blue spiky air, but no, that was cool. Um, so, yeah, that, or I think probably a classic one, Quidditch. Quidditch. I think I'd 100% be Oliver Wood. You, you'd be a goalkeeper in Quidditch? No, just like so passionate about it. Like, <laughs> when you're... Where would you play in Quidditch? Because I know where I'd play, 100%. Maybe the goalkeeper. Maybe like, is it a beater? Oh, beater. Smash people up. No, yeah, that that is 100% where I'd play. I'd be a beater every single day. Like, 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 if it was like, oh, you can play Quidditch, you can play any position. Do you want to be the seeker? Do you want to win the game? Or do you want to stop people from scoring? No, I want to hit the bludgers. Like, <laughs> to be honest, I feel, I feel quite bad for Hogwarts school, like, school sport, because they didn't really seem to have a a really good, like, 
education in Quidditch, did they? No. They didn't have like Quidditch sessions from year seven, did they? They just weren't, oh, Harry flying about, even <laughs> going to team. Yeah. Then we only see, I think it's Half-Blood Prince where they finally have a Quidditch trial. Yeah. <laughs> and they're actually in the team now. Like, it's taken them six years, mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because the thing is, Harry's yeah. too young, isn't he? So you, do you think maybe they have Quidditch lessons in later years? Like maybe I guess it's a dangerous sport. Yeah, but yeah, I get you for that. More, one of my um, one of my sports that I've always for fantasy sports is um, is Zoids. So the Grand Prix in Zoids, where you just basically battle in giant animal robots. Like, like I'm like, this would be sick. Like, um, and then I, f- I think pod racing from Star Wars would be cool. As I was well. literally about to say the same. Yeah, pod literally racing. Literally going around. Yeah. I think it would just be like a like a DIY F1. <laughs> yeah. Get some scrap metal from Tatooine and just go. <laughs> just go. <laughs> I, I built her myself. <laughs> like, like, um, yeah, because that, that, yeah, like, and yeah, all these sports are dangerous, obviously, and yeah, the other, but like, I think it could be sick to have those, like, they're like, okay, we'll take those. We win. We well, I guess the equivalent is, um, what's that uh, Red Bull um... soapbox derby thing? Soapbox derby thing. Well, they make I guess like it's... ridiculously shaped carts and stuff. Yeah, like they just make really weird homemade. <laughs> yeah, because they do the Red Bull Air Race as well, where they make like crazy planes that <laughs> half of them don't fly. <laughs> I guess it's actually the equivalent, but if you just decide like a soapbox drag race, <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd, that'd be awesome. You're like, mate, yeah, maybe we could start it. <laughs> we should. Just... Awesome. Yeah. Say, bring your own dragger. Bring your own dragger. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, but yeah, no. I, I'd mine would be very much even racing, or it would be like, um, I think the only other one that I'd think because obviously, I, I'm into like combat sports. Is um, I don't know if you've ever seen Legend of Korra, the Legend of Avatar sequel. No, I haven't. But pro bending is a thing. So pro like elemental bending, like, is a thing. Yeah. And basically, it's about like gaining territory. So if you knock them back into a zone they, they lose territory so they lose resources as well so like yeah they lose like i mean so the earthbenders have like discs that they can like pick up and throw there's like a water canal and there's like fire behind the, the them so they can and basically yeah if you knock somebody back a zone it ends up that they uh they you can move forward one zone as well you're basically trying to push them off the edge that's pretty sick See, I have the most random nerdy thing about Avatar that goes into sport. So when I play table tennis, <laughs> I like I pick my strategy based on the element. Oh, really? <laughs> so, so Earth is like planted feet, and I just try and manipulate them. So I just stay in the same place, and I'll hit them to the side. So you have to do like a soft shot, so I can just stay where I am. Fire is like aggressive on every shot, and I even like do the whole breathe out when I shoot. When I hit breath of fire, um, water is like, <laughs> like um, water is loose wrist, so it's just being really flexible around the table, and air is just however I feel. Is it, you could put a table tennis thing because I I can't play table tennis. I'm pretty decent. Yeah. I'm not like like a special level, but very like competitive social level. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Ping pong, the animation is a weird anime that's like, it's, it's drawn weirdly as well. It's very stylized. It's about ping pong. And it's very weird, um, but fun. Mm. But yeah, no. Um, so yeah, that has been our episode on sports and talking about sports and with my brother Zachary. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, Zach. You now get the opportunity to plug yourself because you never know. Somebody might be listening. They might go, you know what? I'm going to hire that man because of his, his philosophy. So where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Z9Rogers, where I normally just retweet, retweet a load of stuff. Sort of similar to my philosophy. Um, Instagram, you can find me as Zachary Sanya, which is a, a nice little pun for Bakri Sanya, the old France right back. Um, other than that, you know, I'll have to keep you posted on any future plugs. Fair enough. And as always, I've been Addison. This is the pod of many things. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are, I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. I hope you're having a good night. And I hope to see you again soon. Peace. I'll see you in a bit. Say bye, Zach. Bye. Bye. Cheers for having me. It's all right. Don't worry. Ha <laughs> ha.